Welcome, welcome one and all to another arousing, exciting rendition of the Movie Theater Time Machine podcast. Hi everybody, my name is Bob. Today I will be your narrator as I am curating or presenting this month's movies. Uh, today's incredible feature we will be discussing will be Munster, Go Home, the 1966 classic, of course, from the film. Uh, I mean, sorry, from the uh, classic television series, uh, The Munsters, uh, a really great show that ran for uh, two seasons. Uh, but for today, we'll be talking uh, specifically about the film. Our cast in the film, uh, such actors like Fred Gwynn, uh, Herman Munster, Yvonne DiCarlo, uh, who was Lily Munster, Al Lewis as Grandpa, Butch Patrick, Debbie Watson, ooh, that'll be interesting to talk about, as Marilyn Munster. And many more. We'll get into that. But uh, I must introduce our beautiful, wonderful panel that we always discuss these great films with on a weekly basis. So let's start it off with Nick. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm Nick. And I'm Cass. I'm Dan. I'm Jess. And, and, I, think, uh, and I think uh, Bob's gone a little, a little stir-crazy because he's calling us beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't, I can't see you. I, we're recording remotely, remotely, so I will assume that we're all uh, in our best clothing. We're all dressed up in uh, yeah. best fatigues. We'll put our uh, nice deodorant on and our yep. sweatpants, mm-hmm. so we're good to go. You know. Yep, but I haven't been in the house for three weeks. No. Wait, wait. We're, we're supposed to wear pants to this. Oh, uh, be right back. <laughs> oh, there's a camera. Can't you see the camera looking at you? Oh crap! <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> That's why I have my uh, laptop angled at my face, not my uh, below me. So, <laughs> anyway, so uh, continuing on with uh, our cast, we also have Terry Thomas as Freddie Munster. He was also uh, remembered uh, from the film Mad Mad World. Uh, we also have Hermione Jin Gold as Lady Effigy. Uh, one Robert Pine as Roger Moresby. Uh, John Carradine as Crayshank. A one Bernard Fox as Squire Moresby and Richard Dawson as Joey. Now on to the plot of the film. So if you'll uh, give me your ears, I would like to give a no, you can't have them. The film. They're still okay. attached to my head. The headphones took yours. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they they, they left pull our them ears on. off and throw them at them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've never been so frustrated. I don't want to get into that. It was like a therapy session in itself. So. <laughs> You're bald. I know. Look at all the glue. What's that? Just because your headphones melted on your head? Yes, because it made me feel like I had more hair than I thought until I realized it was glue and it wasn't my hair. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> Shit. That giant bald spot. Look at all that. Bl- oh, that's that's the glue. Oh, never mind. I thought it grew. <laughs> like that's weird. He's a ginger and he's growing dark hair. Is that strange? Hey yeah, um, man, my hair's growing back. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> it was glue. <laughs> I knew it. All well, right, you got guys. two other guys who could totally relate to you, dude. Yeah. I'm so still impressed. Sorry, they're already done that. Man. I'm still impressed. Oh. Those headphones melted in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. Hardcore, hardcore listening and hardcore talking, so yeah, I guess it was necessary. <laughs> At least your ears are okay. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. All right, so let's jump right into the plot. I'll keep it okay. simple so we can uh, have fun and a good roundtable discussion about it. Basic plot of the film, we open with Herman Munster. He learns he's inherited an English manor known as Munster Hall 
in Shroudshire, England. As a result, becomes designated Lord of the Manor, giving himself the title Lord Munster, as we will likely discuss. And he's very he's subtle talking. about it. Yes. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, and we uh, notice that as the family boards the ocean liner, the SS United States, uh, as they take <laughs> a, a beautiful trip to one England, and of course hilarity ensues before they arrive in England, more to get to as we discuss. Uh, we encounter in the process uh, Cousin Grace and <coughs> Freddie, excuse me. They refuse the Munster's family being inheriting uh, to their manor, and of course they must plot to get rid of them with the help of one lady effigy in order to maintain ownership of what is their estate and not the Munster family, of course, because Britain versus America, that's what it comes down to, folks. Yep. While living in the estate, we uh, have an encounter with Grandpa and Herman, who secretly discover a counterfeiting operation taking place in the basement of Munster Hall. Mm-hmm. This leads one <laughs> Herman to enter a amazing road rate uh, in which For he's reasons. driving... Yes, exactly. He's driving a, a custom dragster titled Dragula... More to get to, of course, in the podcast. And um, Grace and Freddy uh, use this opportunity to further plot to kill the happy-go-lucky monster with the killer griffin, which will be something, of course, we must describe in the uh, crux of this show, in one of the most entertaining races in film history. Let's turn it back over (laughs) to the panel. What do you guys think of the film? I've seen this probably three times, and I love it. I hadn't seen it before, but we just finished watching it, uh, almost finished watching it a second time while we were waiting. Nice. Uh, I had never seen it before. In fact, I think, um, I don't think I've actually seen a full episode of The Monsters until yesterday. Last night. I've seen it in pieces, (laughs) like I catch like a few minutes here and there on television, but I've never actually seen most of the show. I knew of it, but not much of it. Yeah, sim, uh, same with me. The movie was the first time yesterday, and I'm, I've am i probably seen some episodes of the show, like, just in the past, but, I don't know, I was always more of an Adams Family guy. It was just, I don't know, oh, okay. I just prefer Adams Family. I, I, I mean, they're both fine. I binge-watched the show a few years ago while I was working on my Christmas ornaments, so I, I associate it with Christmas. All right, well, there you go. Yeah, nice. With yeah. me... I um, it's my it's a personal thing for me because there's a lot of shows. My dad sat me down and said, "Let me show you what comedy is," like yeah. Carol Burnett, Mash, and yeah. it was the Munsters. And you know, I love the Adams Family, but this one especially really holds a place in my heart because we watched like I remember watching Leave It to Beaver with my dad, and he's like, "Okay, this family sucks." Let me show you what is funny. <laughs> you see, what's funny is I never watched Leave It to Beaver, but my grandmother sat me down in front of the Donna Reed show. Um, oh. So I watched I watched the Donna Reed show. I watched um, the Patty Duke show. Um, through all the, like that time period, mm. so it's it's weird like the dynamics of that because you watched stuff like that with your dad, and I watched stuff like that with my grandmother. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dynamics is weird. I mean, the appeal of the show had a very wholesome uh, thing about it. The producers of Leave It to Beaver were actually part of the process of the uh, of the show being made, anyways, as the uh, the monsters are. 
So I think that's what led to the whole family element of it while having uh, Universal monsters being the, uh, the, the main characters used to, to pilot the plot of each episode. So it made for uh, something, it was, it was very unique for its time. It definitely, it's... Oh, yeah. Out oh, it was and, very uh, enjoyable. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, here's the thing. I enjoyed the uh, episode we watched that we're going to do, like, a TV time machine later about. I enjoyed the episode we watched, I think, more so than the movie. Because, mm. to me, the movie felt like... like it was written as a series of episodes, and then they took out the laugh track, and it just... It felt a little awkward, you know, like like they'd tell they'd tell a joke and then pause for the laugh track that wasn't there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there were. It, it did feel like there were elements of the uh, TV show used to make the uh, film. So it did feel like a bit of like mishmashing and a little bit. I mean, it's not yeah, it's I not a bad movie it. by any stretch. It just felt a little. I think awkward is probably the best best word for it because again, a sitcom loses something when you don't have the the laugh track. True. I mean, the laugh track is so pivotal to uh, any like uh, comedy show. When you don't have it, it really you, you have to rely on your own personal instinct to define if something is funny or not. And yeah. it does feel, a lot of times I feel it's actually more of an abuse if you watch uh, Disney Channel programming. I feel mm. I'm literally being told, you should laugh here. Right. Um, mm. Whereas I feel like in the past it was there to help you consider if it's funny or not but yeah, i feel like in, it's more abused today than it was in the yesteryear oh yeah. so. in, in i thought the past, it was oh sorry i thought it had something to do with kind of giving the theater experience right, um, okay i can see it. okay yeah. i can see that then explain well i don't get it though what do you mean by theater i'm sorry explain that like if you're watching okay. it in a theater with other people like just giving it a chance for the laughter to die down before the next joke comes up so you don't miss it oh yeah in theater, was, yeah the, theatrical like, will be good good now or watching a, a play or something and people yeah. would be reacting. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. I mean, that's the difference between, yeah, obviously a, a TV show is guided by a laugh track of sort. It has like a guideline to it where a movie, I don't know, I can't think of a film that actually has a laugh track. Hmm. Unless somebody can tell me otherwise. Um, <laughs> By yeah, means. you're right. A movie with a laugh track? Yeah. Not to my knowledge. That's kind of yeah, no, weird. I can't think of anything. That'd be quite I guess odd, that yeah. disproves the idea of... Uh, that it has something to do with recreating, like, a theater. Uh, well, then again, maybe not, because if you're in a theater, people would be laughing anyway. I think with but, this yeah. one, it was more of a, uh, because it was written like the sitcom, so they had, they, yeah. the writers continued. It's basically just one long episode yeah. is what this right. ended up being. So yeah. it's the same right. writers, so they're going to write the characters the same way. The dialogue's going to be similar, so... I think that's where this came in, where it's just the way that the, the show was written. So the movie was no, written right. similarly. Yeah, you're right, Jocelyn. The uh, the way the, I mean, the, this film was basically a send-off from uh, the Munsters TV show, which ended in 66, uh, and then this film was used as a mean, just wrap up the entire series. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I mean, I was looking through uh, researching, I don't know, different stuff to find out if there was ever an intention to, do another film around, I don't know, either after this. There is a film in the uh, early 80s, The Munster's Revenge, which does bring back uh, Von DiCarlo, Fred Gwynn, and uh, Al Lewis for the uh, the main characters. Um, so there is a gap between 66 to like the early, early 80s. I think it's like 81, 82, 80 or something for the release of that. But as far as 
beyond the uh, 66 series of having another movie. The issue they were running into was financing because at that time it was a question of whether the uh, producers and uh, then Universal Studios that was uh, uh, distributing it, whether who would be the, the one to finance it. And also the issue of contracts with uh, Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis, who at that time they were pretty much done with the show and they wanted to go back to, uh, I guess, their home state of New York and do either more stage plays or other ventures or whatever, whatever the stuff they were interested in doing. So okay. that, would have been the, that would have been the challenge for the show to continue making more films. But I think as a result, this is just what I could gather. They weren't able to pull it together to make anything further. And also... With the decline in ratings um, at the end of the uh, the Munster series, because Batman the uh, TV show was coming into popularity, oh. and that became like the new the new hip thing that people were digging, if you know what I mean, man. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, as a result of that, they just figured do a film in Technicolor. Actually, Technicolor another uh, uh, popular thing for that time, uh, including our other review for Matter of Life and Death. But for this. Uh, whereas a matter of life and death, it felt like it was balanced and robust. This one felt like it was blown out, and I think they just whoever whoever was putting this film together was like, let's have a really good time and just use a lot of color, guys, and oh, yeah. right. shit, blow yeah. the crap out of your eyes. A, I mean, lot of, a lot of a lot of color and a lot of mint green all over your our actors. Welcome to the sixties. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting too. The the difference of the uh, the face paint they used in. Uh, the film versus the show and yeah. uh, the, the program, they, sorry, the TV series they used, obviously it was filmed in black and white because it gave it a more spooky effect to the, uh, the show where the film, they, I don't know, I guess they were just going crazy with color. It's like, we can do this, so therefore we will. We have a bigger budget. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it this way. Right. We have the budget. We can do this. <laughs> so it was pretty cool to see that. All right, you guys ready to jump into the film? Sure. Let's do it. Rather than going um, plot point by plot point, because I'd rather let the listener have the opportunity to rent or buy the film, as you would choose, let's just uh, pick and pick uh, different points in the film. I guess most notably would be uh, our introduction in the film. We open in the Munster's home, and to our surprise, uh, Marilyn looks quite different. Yeah. Uh, if you she were does. in the show, you'll notice something unique that's happening, so... Would you guys like to discuss <laughs> the difference of uh, actresses uh, playing uh, the role of Marilyn? That yeah, I'll take it. All right, go for it. Yes, this is the third Marilyn. There was two in the in the show. One was a woman. Uh, I can't remember, but I can't remember her first name. But the last name was Priest, yeah. and she couldn't really get uh, anything in the contract. And the first one was a woman named Beverly Owen, and actually has the sweetest story. Is I looked into this a little further, and she was in the first 13 episodes, but she really missed her boyfriend back in New York, so she asked to quit. Okay. Aww. I hope she married okay. said boyfriend. She did, and it didn't last. Uh. <laughs> unfortunately. Well, them's the breaks, kid. So as a result of that, Patricia Priest, she took over the role. Patricia. Um, Patricia, there you go, yeah. Yeah. What happened yeah. with Pat because Patricia was the exact uh, size and frame of Beverly from the uh, the original, they were able yes. to just maintain the same suits and the same style with her. So she carried on Marilyn until uh, the end of the programming, until uh, and then uh, she was replaced by then Debbie Watson. Debbie Watson was relatively new. 
and the way the studios worked then, I, I wonder. I, I still actually wonder up until what year they kept doing that with the the uh, the concept of having uh, contract players with the studios. And um. With her being relatively young, she took over the role of Marilyn, and they felt Patricia Priest was too old. And f being too old, uh, for the record, the actress at that time was twenty nine years old. Oh, uh, oh my god! Lord. Which I which. Well, she was supposed old. to be playing a 19-year-old. So, I mean, nowadays, that happens all the time. You know, you, right. You We've got 30-year-olds playing high schoolers. Right. Like, that's right. that's not a jump for us. But I think yeah. back then, especially because if she's, I don't want to say well-known, but known that, okay, here's the actress and she's 27 and she's playing an 18-year-old, the public is like, She's 27 playing an 18-year-old. That's outrageous. Scandalous. Right. You know, so mm -hmm. that's... But that's the time period, though. That's the way yeah. it worked then. And it didn't really start I mean, to change until, like, the 80s. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you think about also, I mean, for us growing up watching the Power Rangers... Right. Yeah, they were intended to be teenagers, and they were what in their twenties or like the teenagers who are clearly twenty six. Most of them, yeah, exactly. most of them were in their twenties, <laughs> save for uh, uh, in Austin, the original Austin St. John. Austin St. John was the youngest, he and I think he was actually like, like he was like he was seven, a teenager. He was, he was like, like 17. 17, 17 or eighteen. Wow. Really? Yeah, wow. he was the only one who was a teenager. Holy shit! Yep. Now, um, I wonder. If Patricia Priest hangs out with the the first Darren, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they have like a bar that's called the replacements. Or oh, something. I have so many things to say about Bewitched, but I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. <laughs> they were part of the Expendables for their time. Oh, God. <laughs> I could talk for a long time about Bewitched. <laughs> But that's not what we're talking about today. I can add to that that uh, Patricia Priest was extremely upset at the fact that she was replaced by such a young act actress uh, being Debbie Watson. I can imagine. Watson herself refused uh, to wear the blonde wig, which was synonymous with the Marilyn character. And honestly, I think, and I'm probably, i got to be uh, correct on this one, they were going for Marilyn Monroe uh, with the Marilyn character looking okay. close to, if I'm, I mean... That's my take on it. I haven't actually seen factual information to back it up, but from what I gather, they were trying to go for a Marilyn Monroe look to Marilyn. Okay. And uh, with Beverly Owen, she did. She was a brunette wearing a wig. She was quite close to it. Patricia Priest, she came quite close. I, I mean, from images I've seen and watching the episode too, I would say close. But uh, for Debbie Watson, I, I really think that it was just purely an executive producer or producer just saying, uh, I want her, <laughs> and just overrode the uh, the uh, decision of a lot of other people and kind of screwed up the, uh, I don't know, I feel like I really, she's a very cute girl. I like yeah. what she brought to the role, but when I, you look at the, um, the canon of Marilyn and being that consistent blonde look and to have all of a sudden Marilyn show up as a redhead, it really throws people out of whack and... Obviously, I didn't grow up in that time, but just reading that people were pissed about it, yeah, I could see that because if you're a fan of the show and you see Marilyn as blonde and all of a sudden, why is she redheaded in, in the film? Yeah, I think anybody else would be quite pissed yeah. about it too. Yeah, especially um, if you're used to a character being a certain way, absolutely. Very um, true. Which is why, it, and you can notice it in um, 
in sequels to certain things, when you replace a character because you can't get an actress or an actor to play that role again, and so you replace not the character but the actor, the film doesn't do as well. Because no, the audience no. wants what the original is. The audience always wants the original. What so, about, like, James Bond? James Bond's different. That's kind, um, of, that's kind of the whole thing about, like... But because they've kind of canonically said that Bond is more of a code name rather than an actual character. Yeah. Um, oh, and Why Bond, does he like his drinks the same way? Yeah, well, that's that's the writer. <laughs> they trained that into him. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, it's more of a, it, and especially they kind of went with that as a, you started with one and then the next one was, you know, James Bond, but it's a different writer or a different series, I guess you could say. And each one, each actor brought something separate to the table for the character, um, which is why it kind of became synonymous with changing it. But when you've had, and that was a movie, when you've had a, let's say, okay, let's say Iron Man. Right? Let's, let's, right there. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and the original Iron Man, um, who the was... Rody. The original uh, Rody was, uh, he's a singer. <laughs> oh, it's gonna bug me. Oh, oh, I know you're um, talking about that guy. But it was yeah. changed. It was changed, um, to Don Cheadle in the second one. And it was a big thing, because... People got upset about it. As time has gone on with the more movies, people got used to Don Cheadle being in the role of Rhodey. It was Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard, thank was, you. Was uh, Rhodey in the first movie. Um, and like the re and the reasoning for that one was Rhodey in the first movie, he was the one pulling in the highest paycheck. Yeah, he had more money. He made more money than uh, Robert Downey Jr. Because Robert one. Downey Jr. hadn't had his resurgence yet. Yeah. Like, Iron Man was part of, like, a huge part of that. But here's the deal. If you had changed Iron... See, he's a secondary character. Yes. But if you had changed Iron Man, if you had changed Robert Downey Jr. out of the Iron Man uh, role, role and put someone else in, it would not have ha it would Benedict, not have made money. Be Benedict Cum Cucumber Batch. Yes. yes. <laughs> Wait, what about Batman movies? That's why that's people why the are Batman so... Movies don't work. That, that's why people are so upset about Batman movies, though. They is that they keep changing. changing everything so much. It makes money because it's DC. You know, you slap the name Batman on something, people are going to go to it. But that's why so many people are kind of... Difference of opinion on it is because they keep changing the character. They keep changing the role. And I could get into the writing and everything else, and that would take way too much longer. But... Uh, See, I wanted to argue that point, but I just I just remembered that I just bought the Batman Arkham Asylum games yes, again yes. Last, uh, a couple days ago. So, so, yeah, okay, good point. That's what, but, you know, people argue about Keaton versus Kilmer versus... Um, Clooney. Clooney. That was a big debate. And if you notice the drop in money every time it changed. Keaton was best. Keaton was best, I agree. But, again, different writing, different time period. Yep. And then Joel Schumacher happened. <laughs> but we've been over that. We've been over that in other We've episodes. done this already. Oh, man. That, that might be fantasy. Can I, guess oh, God. <laughs> Herman Joel Munster Schum has, has George oh, Clooney or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. George Clooney is much too short for that. Yeah, definitely. Right. Because um, that man was very tall. Oh, yeah. He like he inherits like lands and titles and he and like a lordship and shenaniganry. Okay, he 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 was an earldom, wasn't it? 
Are we talking about Batman? Or, no, no, we're, no, we're, we're talking about Back, back, back to the, back the Monsters. Yes. Oh, to the monster. It was okay, it so was an Earl. <laughs> it was like where, where are we at now? <laughs> when, he, when his yeah. cousin dies and he become and he gets like the title. Oh, yeah. yes, his, uh, I, yes, yeah, I, he, I know it's weird that me and Joss actually steered the thing back uh, in the <laughs> same direction. I know that's strange. Um, but I said, I when think we, he was yeah, Earl. Yeah, it was an. I'm pretty sure it was Earl. Where's Toe Jam? I was, <laughs> and he was very excited, going, "I'm rich," and I was sitting there going, "No, you're not." No, because <laughs> it's after the the beginning of the 20th century. Most of like the dukes and the earls and the uh, anybody with a title, they had no more money. Most of them were bra- bankrupt. They had the land and they had the title, but most of the money that went with that title was gone. So it was more of a uh, a society thing than anything else. So when he was like, "I'm rich," I'm like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you got a house and some land. You don't have any money. You're a landed you can noble. Sell it." You could sell it, and that—that's definitely where. But you, um, you don't want to give up the title. At least Americans, we probably would. In England, no. Well, that's why that whole shenanigans that's a pride with thing. Uh, Harry and Meghan is going on right now, right? It's a different thing altogether, though, because he would—he was born into that title, but it wasn't anything he was going to do with it. Yeah. So thankfully, from that point, they uh, jump on a ship uh, and they opt to head to England because they want to claim uh, what is now their inheritance mm-hmm. and. I love that we see Herman Munster has a uh, awesome lo- jacket that says Lord Munster. Uh, yes. Bedazzled. I love this. Ju- jeweled on the back. I, I love that so much. He's terribly <laughs> soft. Yeah. He's not trying okay. to draw attention to himself at all. Nope. Yeah. You can't tell me none of you would do this. Oh, I totally would. Because no, I sure as hell would. Yeah, he's uh, about as subtle as a bowling ball of a face. <laughs> I'd be one of those people that had, like, a chain made with my name on it. <laughs> I do like the drunk guy walking around. I loved walk. him. Yeah. <laughs> and poor Emily. Oh, Emily. <laughs> You've been drinking too much. You don't look so good. <laughs> Why did you get so tall? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, when, he, when he looks into the woman's room and she screams and he looks back in. Has any of you ever seen um, uh, the Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School? Yeah. Yes, I, multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see a thing. Yeah. You're it, <laughs> it reminds me of the same line when he walks into the sorority yep. and he's looking for his son and he accidentally walks into walks in with this girl in the shower. Yep. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was looking for my son. Pulls the curtain back. You're perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a good movie. it's a good visual gag. Yeah. It, it is. It is a very good visual visual gag. It's a it's a gig giggle jag. It's a giggle jag. G- it's a giggle gag. Yeah. <laughs> and then he mistakes Sermon for Emily because he's like cross eyed he's he's uh he's he's toasted, yes. Roasted, toasted, <laughs> and burnt to a crisp. I do like their how they interact on the the ship with the uh, the crewmen and how uh, taken aback they are every time they realize they uh, especially the uh, what is it the attendant that brings them into their uh, their room taps <laughs> on grandpa and he's like oh my god <laughs> and then grandpa he holds his hand out looking for a tip and uh, grandpa he goes to uh, <laughs> bite his up right <laughs> and then and then Lily has Sorry, to like, smack him he's like no no no. <laughs> Oh, oh God, that hairbrush no. was enormous. 
Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that was like half her size, that hairbrush she had. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I like the whole, you know, oh my god, we're moving! It's moving! I'm gonna die! And then he wouldn't take anything that Grandpa Munster offered him because he knows this man. I've spent two seasons living with this man. I don't trust him. Well, it's a good thing he didn't because Grandpa accidentally took a wolf pill yes. and turned into a fucking yes. wolf. Why, why would you even bring those? Okay, I did, I, a little, I did a little bit of research on wolves. <laughs> because why not? Um, later on, when when he turns himself into a wolf again, when he's running around and he, he comes back, uh, he pops back in and he's yelling at the dogs, what, have you never seen a wolf before? No, because they're not indigenous to England. They haven't had wolves there in 500 years. Oh, shit, wow. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it's like they would not necessarily know that it, he was a wolf. They would probably think he's just a big-ass dog. Yeah. But that is the biggest fox I've ever seen. <laughs> That's why that gag, when he said it, I was like, they don't. Because I was like, wait, do they even have wolves? Is that a thing? And I looked it up. Nope. Uh, they were actually yeah. driven extinct in like the 1400s. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Facts on foxes. <laughs> Fox facts. All right. This, so been, this has been your wolf fact of the day. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> So from this point, we uh, see that Marilyn uh, is given uh, her own rule that she's no longer going to uh, stay with the the family, uh, and they uh, Lily is hoping she'll find a suitor or a nice man on the ship. Uh, if a creepy man talk. comes and talks to you, talk to him. <laughs> She's like, what? This is terrible advice, Lily. What are you doing? <laughs> I felt so bad for Marilyn. Actually, this this whole movie. Not so much because of the, of what happens with her in the romance part, because that's just silly, but how she's like, she grew up, she's grown up with these people and she knows that, at least in their mind, she's kind of ugly, so she kind of thinks of herself that way, which made me a little sad. That's really disheartening. I mean, any family who judges you on the fact that you don't look exactly like them, so that's quite uh, offensive. Uh <laughs> I mean, I get the, 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 this is a comedy, but if we look at it, the, the, how exactly they're perceiving her, it's like, you, we are family, but we don't, we don't totally like you because, well, you don't exactly look at, like us, so, right. uh, you, yeah. you, you know, we want it, we want, you know, maybe you'll find some nice boy and you'll kind of basically get out of our hair. <laughs> I was just like, oh, you poor thing. I mean, they love her in, in their own way, but it's like they're all monsters, and that's what they consider to be. Which you know, is fine, attractive. but so, but she's their family, and she's yeah. been with them for like two years now. Give her a break. <laughs> I do. I just it wasn't so much I was angry. I just kind of felt bad for her because you can kind of see that her like self esteem really took a hit, especially when she's down. Um, when she and and Freddie, his name is Freddie, right? Which one? The little boy? Uh, Eddie. Oh. Eddie. Eddie. Eddie, yeah. Freddie's the evil cousin. Oh, Freddie's yeah. the evil cousin. Okay, Eddie. When Who she wants to bash through over the cranium <laughs> with a jacket I'm off. I'm really jacket. bad with names. I say. I want to be Lord. Me, but me, 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 me. When she, goes, uh, when she goes down to get Grandpa's bag, and she finds Eddie playing in the car, and then she meets um, her Roger. Su- Roger, her suitor. 
Roger um, Mosby. Yes. Yep. Who I've seen in a ton of other things. But as an oh, old man. Yeah, so older. I didn't oh, realize yeah. that he was, like, that was him. When I looked him up, I was like, no shit. Okay. I did not realize that you were that good looking when you were young. Because you <laughs> oh, didn't yeah. age it's, that well. It's like, now I feel <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but when she meets him and he starts, like, giving her compliments, she says stuff like... She doesn't know how, she, she doesn't know like, how to take them because right, you don't have to be sarcastic. Yeah, you you don't have to make fun of me or stuff like that. I was like, oh my god, you poor thing. It's like I, I thought the most beautiful girl he's ever seen, and she's right. like, you don't have to be sarcastic on right. top of it. I was just like, wow, this it's, poor girl has no self esteem. See, I kind of understand that angle too. It's just I, I've had really shitty self esteem issues for like. Ever. So whenever somebody, like, pays me a compliment, I honestly don't know how to handle it. I just kind of stand there and shuffle my feet and be like, ah. Thanks. Okay. Can I give you guys some advice? Sure. This is my, my own personal advice. Take it. It's a compliment. <laughs> Take it. If somebody says you're beautiful or something good, be like, thank you. I appreciate it. and Because uh, people are being genuine. When they tell you that, and I and I like you guys, I was the same way. I was very hesitant to want to feel uh, a need to respond, but I've learned in time as I've grown bolder. I'll take a compliment if somebody wants to throw it my way. So if somebody says something good, take it. And I, I urge our audience: if you have a, a compliment thrown your way, say thank you because somebody is going out of their way to let you know there's something value about you, and you should be appreciated. That's adorable. Wonderful advice. <laughs> that's that's my two cents on being. I do, uh, well, whatever we're talking about. I lost my train of thought. So, whatever. <laughs> Being complimented. The, the, be, thank you. Thank you, Kaz. Being complimented. Much appreciated. <laughs> so, uh, one of the cool things about that scene where they, they first meet is we are also introduced to a gorgeous Ferrari. Hell yeah. It, yeah. This is, a, this is a 1963 California GT Special, uh, which was Roger Moore's B car, and we will see it later on in the film. But uh, looking further into it, this car, and uh, if I could get a drum roll, please, uh, I'd really appreciate it. Today, this vehicle is estimated at $12 million Jesus in today's Christ. market. Whoa, I, yeah? I, I crap you not. Nope. That, Whoa. Is, that is impressive. So if you got that car and you don't know it, you got about a million in your pocket, is so good same, on you. That same car, or <laughs> like that, that car well, in particular, or just that... that, that Version. That model, that model vehicle, yeah. That ah, okay. that, yeah. I can't I speak for any other vehicle. But... Well, it's a gorgeous freaking car. I don't know if you know more. My research, it was a California GT Special Ferrari, so that's all yeah. I took away from it. But I'm only a car guy in as much as I like to watch uh, Top Gear and uh, um, what's that new one that they did on Amazon? Uh, the Grand Tour. The Grand Tour. And I only oh, watch yeah, those, not so much for the cars, but because the three hosts kind of hate each other, but they're best friends. <laughs> Great. All right, so we'll go ahead and take a quick break. We'll tell you a little bit more about 4041 Media, and we'll see you in a minute. 
Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening. Movie Theater Time Machine is a part of the 4041 Media Group with podcasts like Psych Your Crime and Free Your Geek, which you can check out at 4041media.com. That's all squished together one word, and the numbers are written as numbers. Now it's time to tell us what you think. If you got an opinion or wanted to know what's coming up next, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Movie Theater Time Machine. Now our podcast will always be free. Free? To subscribe and share. But if you'd like to help us build a bigger, better podcast, not to mention our confidence, you can find merchandise designed by me, Kaz, at Zazzle. Or check out the Kaz Foxen's Animal Shop at Zazzle for cute animal gifts and pet supplies. Now lastly, we have our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mttm. As we said, it's always free to subscribe and share. However, anything you can donate would certainly be appreciated. Thanks so much and back to the show. And we're back. Continue. Not in the movie. Thanks, Nick. You're welcome. Face by a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that she's she's holding Chino and he just like shook his head and just slapped her across the face with his ear like it was straight up a kind of. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sorry about that. Want me to do another clap it or what? No, no, no. We're we're gonna think it's fine. All right, whatever. Well, uh, um, next, uh, so we've been introduced to Roger. Uh, yep. He clearly has um, interest in Marilyn. He's smitten. Um, and he can't he understand is. Americans. Sure can't. <laughs> and they, uh, I, I, do, I did like their, their sort of, uh, I don't know what the, the right word, they're coming together outside, uh, looking over the, the rail of water, and they, they have a nice intimate kiss, and... Uh, who does Roger see passing in the background? It's uh, Herman uh, Munster uh, carrying uh, a wolfened uh, grandpa and uh, scares the living poop out of him. And Marilyn, that's what you get for opening your eyes when you're kissing. You're not supposed to do that. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Good rule: kiss. Keep your eyes closed. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's creepy. Otherwise, but there was a scene just before this. When Herman's taking Grandpa out of the cage, and the two guys see him, and the guy runs up the the uh, the ladder, and then it goes head first right into the vent. Yep. Yes. Cartoony <laughs> sounds are just awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is like a cartoon. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they would be like straight up Mad Magazine, like point spoing kind of sounds. <laughs> this was the the typical style of the TV show. Yeah. So yeah. Here's a scene where you see the uh, the, the uh, essence of the show uh, being represented, uh, and it's it feels like it's very much like like you were saying earlier, Jocelyn. A uh, like a, they just took like pieces of the show and just like plopped it into the film, and and that scene in particular definitely does feel like it was something out of the TV show, and they just uh, turned it into uh, something for the film. Yeah. So it was cool. Nice little uh, adage to the film. So now they've docked. They've arrived in England. Here they are. Troudshire at the uh, English Manor, uh, known as Munster Hall. Uh, I liked how, uh, as they arrive, they don't really—they're not overly introduced to the family. They—they've met with uh, Crowshank, uh, who takes their bags in, and then uh, we're taken to the scene where uh, Lily and Herman are in bed, uh, feeling cozy and starting to uh, just sort of settle in a bit, uh, having just arrived fairly recent. And then before that, we see the. The, we know, we learned about the plot that the um, 
Grace and Freddy are going to try to scare the crap out of them. Right, we know how like, that's going to go. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work. They're going to be straight up delighted by all of this. Well, I, I also want to point out this. that these people are, like, psychotic. Oh, yeah. And murderous. Yep. And I've got, has anybody here seen uh, Repo the Genetic Opera? Oh, my God, yeah. Because it was very, I was getting real, like... It was Amber and um, and Luigi, basically. Yeah, it was getting some really, like, uh, similar vibes there where uh, you've got the the daughter who is very much a kind of a, a squealer, you know, tattletale to Mumsy. And then you've got um, the son who is basically like a serial killer. He's basically Luigi Largo. Yeah. Like, straight up. If you haven't Ooh. seen, if you haven't seen uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, just to give you an idea, the comic relief character is a serial killer who wears people's faces. Yeah, and he's the funny one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's a musical. Uh, and it's a musical. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it's a good musical. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, this family is is psychotic. They have no qualms about yeah. killing people. Cool. Can I? All right. Can I jump back? Go yes, for it. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> That's why I was like, uh... Should we explain the griffin? The griffin. I, I'm getting to... What? Part of my whole thing. <laughs> go <laughs> for it, Bob. P. Thanks, guys. Uh, griffin. So, as, as I was trying to say, they, they're in their room. Here we have uh, Cousin Freddy, who is plotting with his uh, sister Grace to to uh, take back uh, the monster's uh, stake for themselves. And Freddy decides that what better way than uh, to get rid of somebody is to scare the living crap out of them. So he opts to dress up as a ghost of some kind and create some type of spooky effect, uh, a skeleton that seems to uh, start making a series of noises, a wind gust. And uh, we see Herman and Lily sitting in bed very uh, attentive and very kind of enthralled or enjoying it. Like, oh, goody, it's a little a little theatrical show that's going on. And uh, here is Cousin Freddy. Exactly. And then here comes uh, Cousin Freddy jumping out, attempting to scare the, the crap out of them. Uh, and they in turn respond to him like, oh, very nice to meet you, and end up scaring Cousin Freddy in the process. <laughs> Who abruptly uh, ends his uh, plot in that given moment and runs uh, away and... <laughs> Runs directly through the wall, cartoon yeah, yeah. style. It's like, yeah. it's yeah. like, come on, Eddie. These people have a literal dragon under their stairs. They're not afraid of you. <laughs> I, I want to know, uh, when have they done this before? Because this isn't the first time they've done this. Right, they did Ooh. mention that. Um, Freddy hmm. and Grace and, and Mumsy. Yeah, because it's like, it, now it's my turn to put on the sheet. No, I want to. I want to. I want to. Oh. I you work the panels. Like, yep. who built these panels and things? And why, why have they done this before? And the monsters have such a bad reputation in England. I'm just wondering, how did Herman come out decent? <laughs> he's not straight up related oh, to because them. Because he's not. He's, <laughs> he's adopted. A, he's adopted. <laughs> he, makes, he makes mention of that at the very beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. That he was adopted into this he family. He was made in Germany and adopted by yes. the yep. monsters. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's why he's not like these people. He's not genetically related to them at all. Yep. Maybe what parts about of them are. nature versus nurture? They could have been like, I don't know. Well, it's kind maybe of... Maybe his personality was already well, set. Maybe it's it's kind of said that the dad wasn't 
that bad, I guess. He, he, he really he, hated his kids. Because he straight up left nothing to his kids. Again, yeah. this is uh, this is another Repo the Genetic Opera thing, because we've got a straight up Roddy Largo situation yeah. going on. Does that make Herman uh, uh, Shiloh? Yes. Is, is he going to start singing about how he's 17 and then Joan Jett <laughs> comes out of his closet? Maybe. It's a, you got to see this movie. It's a weird one. Oh, yeah. Oh, is this back to the repo again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. I'm okay. on that kick now. Okay, um, I'm a, I don't know anything about this thing, so... <laughs> okay. I will give you the DVD yep. when I oh, see it. Oh, you guys it. have it. All right, cool. Yes. I, I like to check it out. All yes. right, sounds good. Um, uh, where was I? Um, talking about uh, how... The failed scare attempt. The, the fail of the, the... Yeah. So they, the, they attempt to uh, regroup... Uh, with the hope of getting back at them, and then and what is the next scene? Because uh, now my train of thought is completely gone, and my notes are just. So when they go downstairs and they get to breakfast, you must yes, be my know. aunt effigy. Yes, that they they are properly introduced. My bad. So here we are next. Uh, they're properly introduced to their family, who are uh, quite taken aback. Um, it's a, vi- a very uh, cute scene. Uh, Herman really carries it because he uses his genuine human quality of just being a gullible, lovable person to uh, get over on the uh, the family side. But uh, they're very taken aback by realizing that he's a monster, a monster monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that he he's, picks up he's, that effigy and kisses her. Yes, exactly. Yes. On the cheek. <laughs> and he's the one to uh, take over the. Uh, the lordship of the family, and uh, as we've been saying, they're very much against that. Um, I'm no monster. See, and he's not. Yeah, and like Hermit isn't like remotely evil enough for the like the British version of the monsters. Like the the monster family right. in England is just a bunch of bunch of jerks and assholes, and it's like no, Herman's not like that. He's just he's just Herman. <laughs> They've had that reputation for like 300 years. Well, at least according to Mosby, who's their enemy. Yeah, the Mosby family is uh, the uh, dedicated enemy to the uh, the Munster family, and they're always trying to find a way to uh, capitalize on the other side in some way. And uh, this leads to... Well, the next scene we... uh, The scene I at least I would like to speed up to is um, the discovery of this secret uh, counterfeit operation that's happening in the basement. Uh, We then return to the uh, the bedroom where Lily and (laughs) Herman are uh, in the bed, and then seemingly Herman tries to sneak out by using a a A giant pillow and a bucket (laughs) and a mop. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Puts a mop on a bucket. Yeah. Like, the greatest doesn't... thing is that this worked for a little bit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> for a few seconds, she's like, oh, it's my husband. Clang, clang, clang. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, she, she just felt around, didn't look. <laughs> I just like that right before this happens, too, she was arguing with him about how she, you know, do not try to look for these things. Stop trying to play detective. You really, really suck at it. So please don't do it. You're terrible at this. Don't do it. And then he immediately goes and does it. Yep. He goes searching with Grandpa, who brings the torches so they can find the secret of Munster Hall. I kept expecting yes. one of them to actually set the set on fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of how they were waving them around. It was just like, 
How have they not set anything on fire? It's like I'm it's sure. actual fire. They're actual torches. Yeah. I say with the two of them going over the slime pit, just like going hand over hand, and then Grandpa's hanging onto the back of Herman. I'm like, I have seen this happen in a D and D game before. And then somebody <laughs> rolls poorly, and they both fell into the acid. That's how that goes. <laughs> what if it was just poop? <laughs> And who, who who puts acid in a, a basement like that? I, that that I struggled. I'm guessing because it's that. supposed to be booby trapped because yeah, you don't want people trapped. down there. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, but then how do you get down there? Well, there's probably yeah. a secret passage exactly. around it. There's they pro- probably go through the do not enter door. Right. Yeah. They probably <laughs> went. Okay, go left or go right, and they went left time. when they should have gone right, and there you have it. They took a left turn at Albuquerque. Yes. <laughs> um, well, thankfully, once they're able to get past that, said pit, Uriah. Well, we kind of we kind of skipped off. over something else too. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Uh, it, earlier in the film, it's uh, shown that there's these two guys who show up to Munster Hall at night and take out these long wooden boxes that look a lot like would be a coffin of some sort. Right. And they deliver them places. So it the town automatically assumes that there's a lot of dead bodies and a lot of murder happening at the Munster Hall. It's uh, I believe that's actually one of the lines he says. So yeah, for anyone who's listened to the Magnus Archives, it reminds me of Breakin' and Hope. Anyone who's, see, who's listened to that will know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, they, they go and they pick up these long boxes and they have to get really drunk before they do that. Yeah, because they're like, man, these people are freaking weird. I don't like it. I'm going to drink before I go. Big old scotch. I mean, I, when I saw that scene, I immediately wanted to hear Dawson say, we asked 100 people, what do you think is in Munster Hall? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kiss sure. you before I ask you that answer. <laughs> I'm going to say, and then he kisses somebody who really doesn't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure nobody would have said a bunch of counterfeit money. No. <laughs> pretty sure that that's was what it was. But that's uh, what it was. I like how Herman thinks it's Mary Poppins on fun money. <laughs> yeah. Play money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they forgot our bro- <laughs> Now see, now you say uh, Richard Dawson, like you, you automatically do uh, Family Feud. For me, the thing I recognize him from almost immediately is the Running Man. Mm. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Hogan's Heroes. In Hogan's uh, Heroes, too, yeah. Yeah, yep. that's right. Oh, the Running Man is one of my favorite movies, though. Mm-hmm. It's so weird seeing him as a, a villain, though. I mean, even British accent as a uh, so-called so. He, yeah. wasn't a, he, was he didn't know boss. that he was. Yeah. Um, he didn't know what he was hauling. No. No. No, they had no clue. Um, Not at all. But that's that, okay, this part right here, though, when you find out that they've been laundering money, and they've obviously been laundering money for, or uh, counterfeiting money, I should say, uh, for a long time, I was like, where did this come from? It straight up became a Scooby-Doo plot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Apparently it was orchestrated by the Griffin to capitalize on the Munster's bad reputation. Oh, yes, the Griffin. No one would go looking for it. Ow. (laughs) <laughs> the griffin is not just a made-up story to scare the children yeah the griffin who 
Well, I'm not going to get into it, but it straight up is a Scooby-Doo situation at the end when we find out who the Griffin is. Just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a question for you, question for you guys. Yeah. Is, okay. Would you consider the Griffin to be the Guffin? It's the McGriffin. It's the McGriffin. <laughs> the Maltese Griffin. Oi. <laughs> McGriffin. But we got to talk about the car race and the trophy at the Morrisby. Uh, okay, the car race that. Okay, this. I, I've noticed something Maryland. about a lot of '60s movies, though. A lot of '60s movies have a car race in it. Yep, because they just couldn't figure out how to do the third act, so we got to do a car race. I can think of almost I think four or five films off the top of my head from the '60s that have a car race involved. Wasn't there more than a couple like uh, Elvis movies that had at that? least three? Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then there was a boat race too, but that but All right. oh god, yeah, like it it was a big thing. Like I guess car racing. I guess they had nothing else better to do. Yeah, before video games. Yeah. I mean, it, and it was something interesting to film. It was an interesting thing to watch. I mean, if you're on, like, one of those long courses, just like, all right, we've gathered up for the race and... Vroom. All right, everybody, let's go left home. Turn, left turn, left turn. Yeah. Left turn, left turn, left turn. Oh, no car crash. Well, that's the thing. Most of these movies didn't happen on, like, a racetrack, though. They happened on, like... Like, through the city. Like, through or a city or a town, like, a setup sort of... Say. Yeah, like streets rather than a racetrack so people who are sitting there i don't i'm not even sure how they even uh really watched them because it's not like you have a helicopter fight like i don't know how they tried to actually do this it's like you get to see like one tenth of the race right. you just sit there all day you have a picnic and then just like all right everybody go home <laughs> It's like, oh, they, they went through the first lap, and you can't really tell if anybody's cheating, because it's not like you have somebody following them. Yeah. So it's just one of those, how does this, I'm, I'm assuming that people stood at checkpoints, and just went, okay, they passed this checkpoint, okay, they passed this checkpoint. But other than that, <laughs> I'm not really sure how they, uh, they portrayed it to the, I guess the, uh, the audience is what I want to say. I'm not sure how it works. Mm. I assume they had like a. I assume it was like an announcer situation. Just said like they got reports from the different parts of the track, and they just repeated them. I'm guessing is my guess. Like had the radio radio going on in the ear. At yeah, least that makes the most. Hmm? I would agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, even in what Herbie the uh, Love Bug, I think there was uh, scenes where you would see different people at uh, checkpoints just to uh, notify the uh, uh, who's in first, who's where on the board, and who's passing by. So that's definitely something. That was used back in the day to uh, maintain uh, coverage of all the uh, of all the racers on the track. I'm just thinking oh. of like the uh, logistics of like the wacky races. They're just like, and they've passed this checkpoint, and Dick Dastardly is, of course, he's still cheating. Like he's absolutely cheating. It's Dick Dastardly. How would you imagine he wouldn't be cheating? <laughs> what a dick! He was winning the race <laughs> until he decided to turn around and cheat. So yeah, we should probably uh, mention about. Uh, Marilyn getting all pissy at Roger. Yes. Yes. The... She runs into to his father, literally. Yep. With a bicycle. And, and then... he's just so happy she actually apologized because for her genera someone from her generation to apologize and admit fault that he has to take her home. And then he finds out she's American, which is like American and a monster, and that just turns him right right against her. No, but there's one of the best lines. Yes. 
He looks at her and goes, well, look at you. You could probably give us a dozen grandchildren without even missing. What does that mean? I'm just like, how how closely were you looking at her hips? Those are some childbearing hips. <laughs> like, for reals. <laughs> look at her face like, what the fuck? Wait, excuse and, me? And they turn out that they to have the trophy that they've been fighting over the fighting with the monsters over for the past, I don't know. Yeah, like they had it for the last five years or so, I think is what he said. And I thought they were literally going to eat cereal out of it. Because <laughs> the way he brought it to the table, I th- at first I thought it was a bowl, and I'm like, wait a minute, is he actually carrying the trophy around? Oh, he is. Okay. Well, tell me you wouldn't, though. <laughs> okay, I would for maybe a day and be like, look, my precious, and then I put it away. Like I ate cereal out of the out of the. Uh, but I'm gonna eat cereal cup. out of this damn thing because I like chalice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's chalice? That's like the. Um, they, I saw this. I saw this ad that they were selling like uh, cereal bowls shaped like the skulls of your enemies. <laughs> cool. And awesome. I'm just looking at them like, but are the skulls of your enemies dishwasher safe? That's the question. <laughs> and uh, then that's when she makes a comment. That's how they f- figure out she's a monster. And then they're like, if this was the old days, we would have sick the dogs on you. And she's like, you don't have to. And storms off and then yells at Roger for no good reason. He yells at Roger because Roger doesn't know what the hell's going on at this point. Roger has no clue who she is or what just happened. Like she even, just... even up to the end, he doesn't know that she's actually a monster because no. no one actually tells him. Uh, Roger is the innocent bystander throughout the entire film. I feel yes. bad for Roger. Yeah, he's the one who's just kind of standing there going, beginning. wait, what? Until the end, yeah. <laughs> He, he's the one who kind of gets knocked around. He's yeah. just like, okay, um, what happened? All right. Like, what What did I do? He's like, what did I do? What did I do? Now what did I do? I don't know. I don't know. See, what? He's like, you exist. It's like, That's clearly I've done something wrong. Uh, yep. what? He even tries to apologize with flowers, but he gets Crookshank, uh, shows up and yep. throws the flowers away when he yep. leaves. Like an asshole. Yeah. That was, was really, I was really offended that he did that. No, yeah. Crookshank's an asshole. He's, he's yeah. on the side of the of the bad monsters. I was very confused by Crookshank, too, because I, my impression is when we first introduced to him, I felt like he was going to be a some type of monster creature. Like, he seems right? like he'd be a werewolf. I thought he was going to be a werewolf. And then it's like completely not that at all. I was very... He just has an awful lot of hair for someone that old. Yeah. The other thing, too, I, is he was actually kind of... I could use that hair, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, he was actually kind of nice to them. Too yeah, at first. He seems like he's like so, the put upon butler, really. I was I was actually a bit confused because at first I thought he was like, oh, he's going to be their ally here, and, and then, then no, no, that's not how that worked. Yeah, the I thought the same ones. thing. Yeah, it, it was just the way he. Um, I, there was a scene with him. It was very very brief. He was explaining something. I can't even remember exactly what it he was. He was polishing a the race car. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was talking to um. Grandpa. Grandpa? Yeah. And it was just like a nice little scene. Like, he was just explaining things, and Grandpa asked him a couple of questions, and it was, like, pretty chill. And I was like, oh, so he he's going to be, like, the, the okay character here. No. I was like, he's, he's like, less villainous than the others, but it's still still basically a villain. And then the Griffin has the plan oh, okay. to uh, eliminate Herman by uh, via a car race accident. Yep, like, running him off the road and trying to, like, you know... Trying to get him to crash and burn. That effigy totally gets him, Herman to volunteer to be the driver in the race be- yep. by appealing to family honor. 
And then he drives their car into... Around the corner, Around and then the it corner suddenly and it, and then it explodes. It, it just it just Crash. goes away. So then they have to build the Dragula. Oh, now it's made out of a coffin. Oh, if I could jump yep. back in here, yep. Uh, the, the the Dragula was actually already uh, built in the. Sh- it came from the uh, TV series. It, it began in the episode Hot Rod Herman, and it was only uh, brought back over. I can only imagine how it was actually brought because if they're coming from England and they have their monster coach with them, how they decided to bring the uh, Dragula, it's not exactly well explained, but uh, it does appear. They built it. Yeah, they built it. It seems like they just built another one. Yeah. Okay. I, I couldn't understand like where this thing even came from. It I think like they kind of went up a coffin. Yeah, I think they had the the design already. Like, oh, we've got this one at home, so we'll just build this one here. We'll take the engine out of the coach, oh, okay. and we'll do a few things here. And yeah. here's some pipe organ parts for hot rod. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pipes and lanterns for the headlights. Yeah, that doesn't seem aerodynamic. No. no. <laughs> it's a very interesting design. That was. From what I looked up, it was based on the original uh, Ford uh, T model. Uh, used Ford parts, and it yep. was really cool. So uh, yeah, so it was yeah. a pretty cool looking vehicle for its time. Well, but when you compare it to the uh, TV series, it had a slightly different shape to it, um, as there was an actual windshield uh, in the TV series, and this one had nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of there. It was very interesting. The windshield uh, they, just get away. Yeah, they they opted to go without that for the film. So I'm not sure why they did that, but interesting nonetheless. Um, so where do you guys want to go from here? I, we keep jumping. I don't even know where to like go back to. <laughs> go to the race. Yeah, I mean, we're still on the race. Yeah, there was also the. Go ahead. The race came after the counterfeit discovery. Yes. Right. Right. I know we we jumped back a bit. I was, I was just trying to keep up. All right. So there's also the other thing that happened where. Crookshank, oh no, I'm sorry, uh, Cousin Freddy uh, ties up Lily and Grandpa before the race to prevent them from notifying uh, Herman of what's going on. Uh, so they are able to thankfully escape uh, and they are, uh, uh, jump into the back uh, World War II vehicle of some kind with uh, Joey and his, uh, his partner and they seemingly think in the back <laughs> they're, they're transporting uh, some type of goods in a casket. And lo and behold, as they're riding, they hear a series of creaks and cracks and uh, thinking each other it's a stomach or they're bo- some type of bodily function. And they turn around to see and Grandpa just pop up so in a, such a horrific fashion <laughs> with very drawn faces. And they're like, holy shit. And they drive directly into uh, into the water. And yes, a giant pop. <laughs> and reluctantly, um, there's a, a Shroudshire a delivery service bike. Just happens to be there perfectly timed, so they could uh, <laughs> just jump on it and uh, take off. Passenger car thing. Yes, and Batman and Robin oddly use that in their, the TV show as well. So that was pretty cool. Maybe that was just like the thing of the '60s to have that. But it was kind of popular, I would assume, for its a time. Motorcycle with I a sidecar. Yeah. I think uh, they used it a lot in TV shows like this because it's got like the wacky sort of look to it, and it was probably very easy to film with something like that. Yeah, like when they almost hit a tree and then right. it splits. I expected the, the halves to come back together, but they so didn't. Did I. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. right? <laughs> That's some wacky that. racist shit right there. <laughs> and oh, cool. Dan actually got a little upset at that. The one particular scene right there when they uh, they split and they come back together and they crash. And Lily looks over at Grandpa and Grandpa looks at her and says, 
women drivers. Like, first that off, she's not even sense. driving, <laughs> you sexist ass. Yes, yes. That was quite rude of him to say that, yeah. It's like, yeah, he said that, and I'm just like, rude? <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah. the ones that tend to pull out crossbows and kill people in road rage. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Right? No. Right. Although, to be fair, if I had access to a crossbow. Anyway, did I, did I say that out loud? Case in points. <laughs> So they, they hurry to find another means of transportation. Uh, Grandpa opts to turn into a wolf again, uh, and he gets pursued by owns uh, and a series of people uh, on horses. That are you fox hunting. Yep. Who are oh. fox hunters, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think we should mention that they're trying to get to Herman to, because uh, Freddy told them the evil plan that they're going to make a stage a car accident to kill him. He yeah. totally yes. model up. Yeah, he, he straight up Bond villained, and now they're just like, well, crap. And gotta, Roger got walk. knocked out and replaced by the Griffin. Oh, yeah. Roger getting knocked out was wicked funny. It's <laughs> like, oh, how it's you like, doing, the thud? <laughs> Down he goes. Back of the neck. It was like a little quarters in a sock. <laughs> there's a little trivia thing here too, because there's a goof. Um, when he is, oh. well, yeah, when he's knocked out or when he's pulled into the uh, the shed, he has a helmet on. And then the next scene, when you see him in there, the helmet's nowhere to be seen. Huh. Good point. Oh. Good oh. I think yeah. they, I think they might have been trying to imply they took the helmet to give to the Griffin, but but the guy was already the wearing Griffin one. Already showed up with the thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, there was just a little bit of a, a goof right there. Is that he had he had put the helmet on? They brought him to the shed, and suddenly the helmet's gone. Yeah. So. Da, da, da. But that helmet's going to be the Scooby mask that gets that gets pulled off at the end of the at the end of the episode. I mean movie because this is not actually Scooby Doo. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Getting back to uh, Lily and Grandpa. The hunters. They, they're, he's hunted down and... I forget the order now. He, he's hunted down and uh, he's then back into a tree. And then at some point they're into a village and they're both on horseback trying to uh, catch uh, up to uh, Herman. What I got a kick out of is like throughout a, into the film you see these stunt doubles who are clearly looking at the camera. And they look oh, nothing... Yeah. They look uh, nothing like uh, no. No. the actors, so it was very odd that they even, I don't know what they were thinking or why, but if you watch it a couple times, you'll see they just don't look anything like it. And if you pause a frame, it's like, why, why, why? Maybe I don't understand they what they were thinking exactly, but it, it might be it's the whole, very odd. It might be the whole Vaseline on the lens sort of thing, like this was intended for a standard definition, so you may not necessarily notice it. Right. It's another one of those, like, it was never intended for 1080p. Also, I think it was one of those, um, you really weren't supposed to be paying that close of attention. <laughs> that too. <laughs> or really maybe they just didn't or have really doubles that were, uh, I mean, how many people are like, yeah, I'm going to put myself in danger on purpose, woo, okay. as a career. I'm going to say, it could be like uh, the, that Spaceballs moment. It's like, no, you've captured their stunt doubles. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You expect when Grandpa gets knocked off the horse, you expect Jim Varney to go, watch your head, Granny. Right, right. <laughs> what I got a kick out of, too, was the, the stunt double horse when we see um, Ron Lowe. Oh, my God. God. The rubber horses. Oh, <laughs> my God. That was it's like, oh. I, I kept thinking, where do they put the money so to bad. make it operate? Oh, my God. I laughed so hard. It's like they just put, so they just put like a... 
They just put like oh, a blue this. screen. What? Yeah. Like, they you didn't notice a... how fake the horses were when <sighs> they did the. Oh god, it was I, so funny. That was oblivious. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had the, the the green screen looks wonderful. Um, oh yeah. The. They uh yeah they they're oh. doing the whole uh, the backdrop and the horse is is so most definitely a rubber horse. It's like they put a green screen up behind the little horsey ride at the outside of like Kmart or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Oh man, that was great scene. I got a kick out of that one. Actually, it would have to be a blue screen because if they did a green screen, like Lily's face would be just completely gone. Yeah, no, it wasn't a green screen. It was, you know, face was more like blue. Yeah. I don't know. They looked green to me. Blue-ish. Like everybody looked mint green. <laughs> I don't know. Herman, it was just Herman that looked green to me, and everybody else looked yeah, blue. Yeah, it was looked blue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there was some kind of one of the things. Why well, can't I hear myself? Oh, that's weird. All right, sorry. No, we I, can I, hear you. All right. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, they, the other actors, they had some kind of. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. Some kind of extra um, layer of makeup. Especially with the um, Lily, she had uh, like this like greenish tealish color over the top of her face, including Grandpa, which was I don't know what the the thinking was, but I kept I mean I was, like you said, Dan, it's in high def. Maybe it wasn't intended to be seen that way, but for me, I kept looking. I couldn't help but wonder why they had this extra layer of. I think it, it was like supposed a, to highlight. represent the fact that they were dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, some scenes like you can a, see it flaking. Yeah, it's like it, it's almost like a rigor mortis type thing. Um, I oh, think wow. is what they were trying to go for, like a dead skin sort of color, like they they're drained of color, but they're also sort of turning green because. Well, they're... speaking with the makeup, I mean, there was a few bits that you could clearly see. This wasn't meant for high def, right? Like when Eddie and Marilyn are in the stands and like talks to the other dude, and then you can see like where they missed on his neck. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Quite clearly, I'm like, oh, Butch, you should have caught that. <laughs> um, you also got to remember too that the type of makeup that they're using um, isn't like standard makeup that we would be able to use today because not a lot of people were putting blue and green makeup on their skin. So that stuff probably had to be made either specially or they went out to like a Home Depot and grabbed like paint. Yeah, we've done that yeah. situation. Yeah. So it's it one of those... Hmm? be like Hollywood makeup. Yeah, but even Hollywood makeup, they didn't do really like crazy scary movies all the time. Yeah, not really. And monster movies. Most monster movies, when they were done, were done with, like, a prosthetic or a rubber mask or something of that nature. Doing full full makeup to make yourself look dead wasn't really done. And no. at least not in color. Not at all, no. Not, okay, not that, for the time period. I'll say it. And also, it's probably a bit of a stretch from the, you know, black and white to the color situation because... In, as we as we know from black and white movies, you kind of have to go overboard with the makeup to make you look like you're not actually a ghost. But when it comes to color movies, not so much. And this was like during a bit of a, at least a transition in that particular show at any rate. Because it had gone from black and white to color in the movie, right? Right. So it's a bit of a transition. Mm. They didn't quite had it have it down, I think. I'm trying to think of a color uh, film that you... With monster or the 
I'm, I can only think of like camera films. I know one of the first films they did was uh, The Curse of Frankenstein back in like 56 or 57. And that was the first real use of uh, color uh, in a horror film. I mean, I'm sure if, uh, Universal did it as well. But I mean, for horror, black and white just seems so much more effective. Yeah. And depending on the film that they were going for, it just worked. I mean, so even if this was filmed in black and white, I think it would have been effective. I mean, I'm, I'm sure people can challenge that. But I agree. I, really, oh, I, I, really I would have liked so. to have seen it. In, I would have preferred to have seen it in black and white just to keep it with the... Exactly. Yeah. I think when it comes to black and white too, when it, when it comes to this like that, you don't necessarily have to know what exact color their skin is going to be. You just need to know what's going to show up better on camera. Mm -hmm. So in actuality, what the makeup they were probably wearing wasn't probably green or blue. It was probably gray or white because it showed better on camera. Yeah, probably. So yeah, when it came to color, they kind of went, hmm, what should we do here? What colors should we use? And that's what we see. Well, this was the, the boom of Technicolor, so, I mean, you look back to uh, Matter of Life and Death. The pilot. That was like the first real use of it, and then, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's right, Kaz, too, also in the, uh, the pilot. See, the show had the ability to be filmed in color, but they opted to go with black because it added, made a spookier effect to it. Sure. It was more akin to like the classic uh, horror style of of films from, uh, like I said, back in the day. Yeah. But obviously this was the end of the series, and they figured, we have the budget, just use that. Let's do it. Do it in it. Technicolor, and what you see on screen is what we got. Wow. There you yeah, go. so the pilot was color. I didn't see the pilot. Like I said, I've never seen this besides, like, yesterday. I mean, that, like, that thing we watched last night. Yeah, you can dig on Amazon, and like, it's really quite interesting. I remember seeing the pilot, like... Uh, pop up on the on the list when we were looking for the episode, but I didn't. We didn't actually watch it. So, well, uh, it's 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 there, uh, but it does have some of the really interesting monster girls, which some of them don't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> are we talking about the? You guys are saying that the the pilot was air, uh, made in color. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I don't right. know if it was aired though. No, it wasn't aired. Yeah, because it was released, um, I don't know where it was released prior, maybe, um, I don't know if it was on VHS at point, I can't speak to that, but I know uh, when they released the uh, DVD of the entire series back in, I want to say like 08 or 09 or something, they, uh, one of the features, or actually multiple features on the disc was, uh, I remember reading of something about a colored uh, episode, and I think it was the unaired pilot, but there was also another one called Family Portrait. I don't know, I don't know much about it. I have to go back and research it anyways and see what it was about. But it, with regard to the, the pilot though, yeah, that was filmed. Uh, but the difference of, uh, it's very drastically different from the, uh, the TV series and even the film because uh, a lot of people were uh, swapped around, a few of the actors at the time because it didn't work. And uh, from the, uh, the TV series to the film, that's the, that was the, the constant of the series. So, so the pilot, I guess it was. In, it would have been interesting to see the entire series in color. I don't I have nothing against the use of it, but just the the effect of it would it would have changed the, the entire dynamic of the show. It oh, would dramatically. have been more yeah, goofier. So. You know, you wouldn't have been as. I mean, you wouldn't have been as, as frightful of the character. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. Just just watching the uh, the TV episode we uh, we're going to review uh, after. There's something special about watching it in black and white. It's like I just sat and considered if this was in color, I wouldn't have taken to the episode 
the way I felt. There's something just really special about black and white. And I mean, for them to use it, the color in the film, it worked. But I mean, you have to be a follower of the series to really appreciate their humor and the, the horror behind it and all the little gag effects they use throughout it. Right. Back to the film, though. So, so uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. unless you guys uh, have something else you want to say, go ahead. So we're at the race. Yep. Um. So we're back to the race. Uh, Lily uh, is riding on horseback. Unfortunately, Grandpa's still off in uh, Lala, somewhere trying to catch up, and uh, catches up to Herman uh, in his uh, Dragula. Tries to shout across to the uh, racetrack. You're, uh, they're trying to kill you. And he responds, I love you. I love you, you too. <laughs> he just, there's too much noise. He doesn't understand. He's just like, I love you too, honey. It was adorable. And he, uh, takes off. Uh, so ultimately with the race, uh, Herman, uh, does, uh, thankfully win in the end. Um, backwards. He, he, backwards up the track, uh, yeah. as, uh, the Moresby's, uh, evil henchman race crew are, they throw a bucket of oil to try and slip him up. But thankfully, he uses his quick uh, skills as a uh, tactful driver and manages to drive backwards over the finish line, which is pretty damn cool. <laughs> I actually kind of do uh, like the fact that the Moresby's were, like, upset that they thought their son was cheating. Yeah, it's yeah. like they, they weren't complete assholes. Yeah, they were... Only up, mostly assholes. They were they were really upset that their son was like, this, that's not what... My, my son would never do that. What is he doing? Hold on a second. What are you doing, Roger? Oh, it's not Roger, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah I just cool. thought that was a, a, at least a decent bit of character there. That is, They're like, huh, this is weird and not right and not something he would normally do. What's going on? One of the cool things I remember looking at uh, from Herman's car was the... Uh, if you look at the... Uh, the it says dead end on it. I don't know why, but I just laughed profusely yes. at the fact that it said dead end on the end of a casket. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was... Uh, it was highly cool. appropriate. It's just, it's just like the little details that they put in for stuff like that. It's, 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 it's yeah, it fun really to find. Cool. Yeah. yeah. The other cool thing, I, I was looking up uh, information on the uh, vehicle itself. Uh, it was designed by a man named Tom Daniel. And ultimately built by uh, George Barris. In interviews I had read with uh, Butch Patrick, who played Eddie, he spoke very highly of Barris as uh, he had designed both the Dragula, which was the vehicle used in the movie, show, uh, as I said, for one of the episodes, and I think uh, maybe a few more, and also the uh, Munster's coach. Now, the difference in design between the to this TV series varied. We can go into that uh, more in the TV time episode but uh it was really fascinating to see the the difference of it and how well highly regarded george barris is for having created the vehicle it stands among um one of the most popular vehicles in film and television history along the lines of the general delorean and the batmobile and what do you guys for for your guys growing up what what vehicle and you too china what vehicle (laughs) did you guys really uh take to as uh as your, your, your vehicle that you always thought uh, very highly of, either in uh, film or TV? DeLorean. Um, for me, it would have been um, Ecto-1. Ooh, good choice. Nice. Um, Jocelyn, go. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I, it was more like Knight Rider. <laughs> oh, good choice. Okay. Honestly, it was, that's okay. the one that popped into my head first. See, for me, it would be oh, Ecto-1, unless Optimus Prime counts as a vehicle. <laughs> Yeah, I would say it was a car, but it's also I would say uh, like Fonzie's motorcycle. Mm. Ooh, okay, yeah. Right. 
Nice. Yeah, that probably stuck with me more. Yeah, fair. I have to say for me, I, I always said that what really turned me off to it recently was being at a car show and someone actually had a, uh, not an exact replica of the, the car, but they took uh, like memorabilia, I guess they purchased over time and they added to the car. Uh, and I was given the opportunity to actually sit in it, and the moment I sat in it and I looked around, I became utterly disgusted with the vehicle, and I do not like it anymore. <laughs> oh my! What are you talking about? What car? <clears throat> this is for the uh, DeLorean. Um, oh, DeLoreans oh, were DeLorean. garbage vehicles. <laughs> there's no there's no room to move. The windows are about three inches big. You're just yes. kind of jammed up in I, there. Yeah. yeah. I remember you sending me this photo. And you're like, dude, you got to see this. I'm in a DeLorean. I'm three inches off the ground. <laughs> I'm three inches oh, off the man. ground, and I think I hate it. I um, hated it. Oh, man. You, really, you feel like you're in an inbox. I mean, the, the, I, try, the, I really tried to think about it. The best way to compare it, imagine being uh, on the toilet in the tiniest stall and trying to be comfortable while, t- while taking care of your business. <laughs> trying yeah, to go to the like bathroom in, in the Charles Theater. Yeah. It's the Charles Playhouse in Dartmouth and uh, oh, Boston. Okay. In Boston. Teeny, Boston. Teeny, tiny bathrooms, yes. That's that's what sitting in, in a DeLorean is like. So if you want to feel like that, then go ahead and enjoy it. Or a potty yeah. And because the things are made of stainless steel, they're so goddamn heavy that they couldn't hit 88 if you dropped it out of a goddamn Seriously. plane. Yeah. No. They had a they had a replica at Com- Comic-Con a couple of years ago. When we went with when Lucas, we right? Went, uh, yeah, we went to Rhode Island Comic-Con a few years ago. And they had a uh, exact le- replica, and I'm looking at it going, ugh. That thing's tiny. It's what so is this? It's so small. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then they had somebody who had re- recreated the mystery machine. Yep. And I don't oh, nice. think we were there the day that the Ecto-1 was there. No. Because I would have insisted on a picture if it, if it was. Yeah, no. That has to be the most comfortable looking vehicle ever, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. The Ecto-1 think, is a sofa on wheels. Yeah, the more popular yeah. vehicle, and hopefully uh, Nick and Kaz, you can speak to this, uh, Supernatural. There's a vehicle they use, I guess, it's more respected now oh. in car culture. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's um, called. Or whoever watches that show, I don't know enough about it to really... I Crystal, haven't Crystal seen it in a long time. Yeah, we haven't watched it in a while. Oh, it's... Um, uh, it's Oh, it's got shit. a name too. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, and my oh. phone's freaking out. Oh dear. I want to guess. Yeah. I want to guess it's an Impala, but I could be completely wrong think... based on the design. So it's just, I know it's a '70s vehicle. It's a sedan. Uh, it's a Chevy kind. Impala. Yeah, you're right. Oh, it was Impala. All right, cool. '67 okay. Chevy Impala. Yeah. Wow, '67. Nice. Yeah. It's a beautiful car. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, fan like of the show, the... Cindy, would be really mad if I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Internet. <laughs> the Internet saves us all. <laughs> so should we get to the end of the race? The, we sure uh, do. The, the unmasking? Yes, well, we, we're... we're go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the, before that, the unmasking... Um, uh, as a last-ditch effort to uh, to kill uh, our beloved Herman. Um, oh, I laughed like hell at this. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Griffin tries to run him down. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tries to, and they're all they're all afraid that he's going to get run down, just like destroyed, and then well, he's Frankenstein's monster, so it just. <laughs> Boom! Dead stop. So he's in. He weighs a metric ton. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, uh, and he's just like, something is brushed against my ankle. What is this? I like how he points oh, his finger. What's happened? <laughs> I love how he just, he so innocently just points his finger up to say, uh, excuse me. And, uh, the excuse vehicle me, what is happening? <laughs> just happens to stop him and breaks in a part and right in front of him. And awesome. just launches the griffin clean into like a, like a funnel cake stand or whatever. Yeah, that was us. <laughs> Those poor funnel cakes. Oh, man. Right, you know. And now we find who the griffin is. And the griffin turns out to be... Turns Millie, out to be... The barmaid. The barmaid. For no good reason, because this yep. is Scooby-Doo now. Why? <laughs> well, wouldn't you have been disappointed if it was somebody obvious? Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I mean... But there were, it's out of left field. There, there weren't really, any hits. I really right. wish it was Lady Effigy. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. I was really good. I'm like, please be. Lady I was Effigy. thinking that too. I would, it would be. She obviously can't be the that person, but I'm like, please be Lady Effigy, just just for enjoyment, really. Right. <laughs> I'd love to and see her as that. It's really funny too because the stunt driver the entire time definitely has a male physique. Uh huh. And then the minute uh, the driver, quote unquote, is in the crash site, it's obviously a woman's physique. And, so, and, and oh, yeah. quite a quite a busty physique. Yes. If you're remembering the character, I'm like, where was she hiding though? Because <laughs> you can strap them down, sure, but there's still going to be some evidence. Yes, and it, <laughs> it's not like that jumpsuit was super bulky because no. it wasn't. No, written so out. it was just one of those where I was like, that is a definite change in person. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously a woman, and I was like, oh, maybe it is effigy. No. No, who's the? No, who's the villain? Maybe it's the person got struck by lightning. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lightning. That's the net, that's TV time machine joke. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it was the barmaid the whole time. Because and you like find out that history. she's Crookshank's daughter. Yeah, but oh. you only find out later in like the narration that he's giving at the very right, end. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, because he's writing a letter. Yeah, because you're standing there, you're like, wait, hold on, time out. What? Who is this person? You only diary. see her for like five seconds on the screen before this. Yep. Uh, Dear journal. <laughs> I was thinking that he was writing to like to the dragon or something back home. <laughs> no, he was writing to the funeral parlor guys. That he oh, okay. With. All right. I was oh. trying to figure out who he was writing to. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, I wondered who he was. I was wondering that too until we like started rewatching it, and then I'm like, oh. Yeah, because he works at the funeral parlor. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Now, one of the interesting things about the, the very final scene uh, in the film is that it actually is the very last scene to be filmed for the uh, the series and thusly the film ever when they're oh. driving off. Because um, I was reading an article, Butch Patrick was saying <clears throat> it really does. When they were driving off, like from uh, the manor. Actually, no, I'm, I, my apologies. I, I'm, I'm jumping too far ahead. Uh, before we get to that, uh, we're, we see uh, Roger, who uh, comes to uh, Debbie, uh, Debbie, excuse me, uh, comes back to uh, Marilyn, and they're, uh, they're uh, trying to get their, their loving on back together and uh, rekindle what was, what's been lost over the course of the film. And it seemingly is done, uh, except for the fact that the, uh, the Munster family decides they want to just see what's happening and enjoy the festivities that are happening outside. It was one of those uh, those definite parent tropes where they're like, yes, we're going to check on her outside the window. <laughs> Aww. You know, it's one of those. And then he yeah. sees them and he's like, 
Say nothing, say nothing, say nothing. <laughs> we'll, st- we'll stop opening your eyes when you're kissing. That's like, yeah, don't be a creep. Herman's face. That made me laugh my ass off where he just has that little smile. He's like, yes. Oh, man. Oh, that was so fun. Uh, Fred Gwynn and his ability to just uh, just emote with his eyes. He, he is so brilliant. So, as he is hilarious. He really is. He is it's a funny, funny man. It. He is so funny. And that scene with his eyes, I love that. <laughs> I, I could, I'm like, I laughed and I agree with you, man. I, I was, I, I enjoyed the crap out of that. That was awesome. <laughs> and I love the fact that Roger was obviously like making eye contact. I, I can only imagine he was more focused. I'd be curious exactly who Roger was more uh, making eye contact with right. versus, seeing, versus seeing these four heads uh, at the window and actually instead who, who did he make more uh, forceful eye contact with because <laughs> I imagine if it was uh, Herman seeing those eyes rolling, I, I would have been quite taken aback as well. Yeah. <laughs> see that. Seeing quite a face like that in the window. But to Roger, uh, his uh, great, uh, great ability, he recovers and uh, look, tells Marilyn, he, he's not. He doesn't see anything, and he's just more. It's all about her. So I give him a lot of credit for that ability to remain focused on her, and they're able to uh, conclude their love story. I really wish that if there was a film to follow up, uh, you would have seen more of that in the future, because I think they have something really uh, special there, and it's nice to see Marilyn, who throughout the uh, TV series and up to the film, has been trying to actually find a guy, and here she finally finds a guy, and it's the um, the end of the series. It's like well. I guess it's a nice way to end it. So, so that was pretty cool to see that. Definitely. But they got to go back to America. Yes. But they got to go back to America. So uh, again, uh, as they're driving up, it ends up being the uh, very final scene uh, ever filmed for the uh, entirety of the series, and uh, we see it snowing because Grandpa throws up some kind of concoction, which is supposed to be rain or rainstorm, and it turns out, I'm just. It, yeah, it turns out it's to be snow short because short. English weather is just garbage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was London fog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was London fog. Just, I got to call back to the last movie. Yep. You yep. expect that he throws the stuff up in the air, it becomes rain, and you just see that World War II fighter pilot just slam right in front of the truck. <laughs> Can't see. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> We're not dead. dead. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. All right. So you said that the scene of them driving off in the snow, like heading, like, you know, heading back to America or whatever. You said that was the last scene that they, they filmed in the movie? Yeah. From what I read online, Butch Patrick mentioned that that was the uh, very last scene that they ever filmed for the series. So it was very disheartening for him to realize that. And the fact that they were driving off in uh, basically uh, snow, which was made of soap. Yeah. I guess yeah, that's what, what they do for snow. I don't know if that's a normality with uh, anything like from then up until now, using well, some kind of soap to make snow. Yeah, they, they did a lot of Whoops. different things for snow. Uh, soap flakes. Um, I know it's soap like asbestos yeah. at one point. Uh, mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's my really mashed potatoes. Yeah, instant, was in a, instant yeah. mashed potatoes. Yeah. Didn't they do that in wow. one of the Alfred Hitchcock movies we watched? I it think was like so. mashed yes. potatoes outside the window. Yeah. They they used anything that could flake, pretty yeah. much. Oh okay. I've even okay in <laughs> really Ted low, to go and shake his hair out. Well, yes. in really low budget movies, they actually used bubbles. Oh. Yeah, bubbles? it's it. it uh, I'm not even joking. Like from a bubble wand. Yeah, from like a bubble machine. 
Oh. Yeah, oh. to do go, like, that does sideways not move or no, not not around. like floating bubbles, but like on the ground to look like snow, like oh. really suds. Okay, so I mean, all right, fair. Yeah, That's as soon as you walk through it, it's gonna be obvious. Well, you don't walk through them; it's for like a scenery type thing, you know. Right. It's, but they, yeah, they used. Um, I can see that, I guess. Yeah. When you want it to be cheap, <laughs> this is the way to go. When you want it to be cheap, just put too much soap in the, in the, in the washing machine, washing machine and then just, just let it go. <laughs> yep. Let it snow in the washing machine. Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 it's snow. Nope, it's nice. So that, that's the uh, the end of uh, the film. Would you guys like to do fantasy casting or add in yes. more? Yes. Would you, yes, would you guys I, have, I have a few. Go, Nick. All right, go for yeah. it. Bob, you're going to like this. All right, look forward to it. Let's go. Let's hear it. Okay. Taking Grandpa, replacing Al Lewis with John Nobel. <laughs> Ooh, I like this. Okay. Okay. Oh, we, got, we got some dice here. Let's see. Uh, that's a 13. That's that's a no-go. Why? What are we going to do with that? Well, John Nobel played Walter Bishop Fringe. Right, right, yeah. Oh, you're going right along with this, so I just would love to see him have his like portable laboratory. (laughs) He turned into a cow. He turned into probably turned into a cow. That's right, Bessie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Gene. Oh, Gene. Yeah, Yeah, and he has he has, and then he just has this weird pension for weird fucking food. Yeah. One more thing, I need to turn Herman. I need to go ahead and win this race, but first, coffee yogurt. Can we go for millipede salad? Toss, yeah. toss centipede salad or whatever it was. Oh, don't, don't really knock until you try it, Pete. <laughs> Damn it, I wanted to. I, I love John Nobel. He would actually do really good as, yeah. as a replacement. I think, is it, I know there was a. He tried to redo the show more recently, and they had Eddie Izzard, Grandpa. I don't know. That was 2012. That was I a special. Know. I don't know. Yeah. I remember I mean, that. I, just watching that and I, being like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I posted the trailer. Izzard, but, mm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Jerry, whoever the hell was Herman Munster? Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Remember yeah. Quinn from Sliders? Wait. Okay. What? Yeah. Uh, yes. Wait. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, no. It, yeah. It's no. not right. No. Uh, everybody looked too attractive and not like monsters. That's the best up. No. That's the point. No. I, I could see like glue a, glue one of those four heads to Brendan Fraser and maybe he could pull it off. Now, <laughs> Brendan Fraser now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because hey, okay, Brendan wasn't even playing. Bren, Brendan Fraser's face. He actually has like a very square face. Uh huh. Because he looks like an ex-boyfriend of mine. So, it's like... That's like, very specific. Have you ever seen the movie Airheads? Oh, right. You were saying that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I dated a guy who looked like Brendan Fraser from Airheads for wow. five years. Okay. Wow. Ex- almost exactly like him. It was freaky. He didn't have the same physique. He did not have the okay. same physique, but he was 6'5". He was ginormous. Wow. He could shit. he could literally put his head on top of mine. Wow. Yeah, and he was British, too. Can we can we roll for wow. Brendan? Let's do a roll oh, for yeah. Brendan. <laughs> Go for it. All right. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'll roll for uh, Jocelyn's ex. Roll for Jocelyn's no, ex. No, that's not. No, 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 no. Okay, no, I'm going to call, okay. I'm gonna call well, this we'll, terrible roll the Jocelyn's ex one. Oh, Here, God. you can roll for Brendan Fraser. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Please. Uh, that's a 34. A 34. Yeah. So Brendan Fraser right. is Herman Munster. Woo! <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, but can he mug? Have you seen Encino Man? Not in a long time. <laughs> he may not have quite. He may not have quite the range of uh, the original guy whose name escapes me at the moment. But Fred Gwynn. Fred. Fred, yeah, Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. He may not have quite that range, but Brendan Fraser. He he's got a bit of a rubber face. He could he could pull it off. He could. Yeah, I definitely think. He well, could. when it comes to weird faces, I think of Jim Carrey first. Well, yeah, he is the rubber man. <laughs> yeah, true. I think he'd be more a better grandpa at this point now, though. You know, what, uh, oh what, my Jim god, Carrey? I was just thinking oh, about yeah. too. Yeah, like have, have you seen when he was Count Olaf? Yeah, shit, yeah. yes, that he was could, amazing. He could definitely yeah. pull off a grandpa. I think. Good call. I'll roll for I Jim agree. Carrey for that. Okay, let's see what we get. That is a fifteen. No. No. <laughs> oh. The dice like Brendan Fraser, though. Yeah, apparently they yeah. like Brendan Fraser, but they don't like Jim Carrey. These are obviously my dice. <laughs> I got one. Go for it. <laughs> All right. For Herman Munster, I don't think I'm going to beat 34, but I got to submit patron saint of 4041 Media, Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn, I'm... you need to find this guy. <laughs> he wears which wristwatch up his butt? <laughs> That's a five. Ow. Fuck. Oh. That's a five, yeah. The dice have spoken. Oh, I cringe. <laughs> the dice, well, while appreciating the, the effort, say no. The dice, Probably. they say, we need more cowbell. I've got my sea legs, <laughs> and I need to go ahead to the cap bar. Oh, God, Lily, we're moving. <laughs> I'm not taking one of his pills. I know him. <laughs> Keep the American, keep the American image of Apple. You gotta go get stoned. Oh my god! And then dance. And then we dance. <laughs> you can call me Lord. <laughs> Lord Walking. God. Ooh. Ooh, I got one. I got one. I have one. Uh, okay. Let's okay. Another attempt at Grandpa uh, Jeff Goldblum. Ooh. All right. He might get stuck in one of his uh, his permit uh, 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 moments, but let's see here. Uh, that is that's fifteen. That's a fifteen. So nope. I guess for once he, uh, grandma. Grandma. you know, they never stopped to think if they should. Yes. The yep. dice did. The dice stopped to think if we should. The dice were like, no. <laughs> I said that the day I saw. Bitch, you did it. The day I saw about, coffee potato chips, I was like, the, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. What about replacing the wolf with a different animal? Hmm. Dino. <laughs> <laughs> Dino? I don't know. I was just trying to think, I was trying to think of the goofiest thing Dino I could Dino fit I could in a dog cage, or would he just burst it? He go- prob- he's a dogosaurus, so theoretically. How do you explain yeah, that? I don't know. <laughs> this is my kimono dragon. <laughs> Someone brought a straight up drink. Did you say kimono dragon? What? Did you say kimono dragon? I did. It's komodo. It's komodo. I know. I said kimono. I'm picturing a, a dragon in a dress. <laughs> see, <laughs> a kimono. See, okay, now I've got some, like, you know, fursona uh, artwork going on in my head. 
<laughs> it's a kimono dragon, yes. Kimono dragon. Yes. They have a little like umbrella over their head. The pink oh. umbrella. Okay, have you, <laughs> have you played, uh, uh, which one was it? Um, Soul Calibur, I think it was four. Have I played Soul Calibur before? Yes. The character Setsuka. Yes. That basically her is a lizard. <laughs> Because she's got the sword in the umbrella, and she's wearing a kimono, so it works. I just like the idea of it. <laughs> so replace the wolf with, with, a, with, with a, a dragon wearing a kimono. Yep. Yeah, that's weird. And it's a nine. nine so I would say no. watch that be a straight up forty. And this, this dice, these dice respect the movie too much. Yes, as they it do. Is. They like I guess. the movie. Yeah, true. They don't like us making even a weird movie even weirder. It's like, stop making fun of this weird-ass movie. But, 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 I wanna. <laughs> what if it's directed by Quentin Tarantino? Oh, God. <laughs> then we'd see Herman's feet, and I'm not down... Well, it wouldn't be Herman's feet. We'd see Lily's up. feet. We'd see Lily's feet. We'd see... Uh, Marilyn. Marilyn's feet. barefoot we'd the whole probably, time. Yeah, you'd probably see she Grace's <laughs> feet, too. Yeah. But, but Linda... Foot hanging out, you know, all over. And and the Griffin landing, head, like the the Griffin crashing, uh, right into Herman, be like boom, bloodbath. Though ironically, didn't Qu- Quentin Tarantino use like the music from the theme in one of his movies? What? Um, probably. Isn't, I mean, isn't yeah. I want to say it's like uh, it, they use the song in um, Death Proof. I want to say. Because I'm listening to it going, wait, I know this. Yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, they definitely use the theme, or at least part of the theme, in yeah. a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm almost positive. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm reaching in the back of my head trying to think of it, but I can, I can hear it too. Yeah. Um, hmm. Or is it uh, oh, Kill Bill? It's, from a so- it's, it's referencing Kill Bill. It's Kill Bill. It is from the song Uma Thurman. From what 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 band was that? Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. Yep. Uma Thurman has that song in it, and it's referring to like her as the bride from Kill Bill. Huh. And I it uses that. music from the Munsters. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. There you are. That's where it came from. <laughs> the only other thing I can think of in pop culture history, uh, and it's not really, it's not even music. It's just uh, if you think back to the '90s with Rob Zombie and Dragula, he uses. Coach in the uh, music video, but that's the only real, uh, oh, yeah. the only callback to the monsters. So. Oh, definitely. Oh well, when you uh, if you play F- Twisted Metal Four, you can play as Rob Zombie, and he's driving around in what they call the Dragula, right. but it's actually the really? monsters. Oh, wow. It's actually the Monster Coach. That's awesome. Oh. The problem is Twisted Metal Four was hot garbage. <laughs> it was not a good game. Ah. Three and four were garbage. The rest are actually pretty okay. And on that note, we cue the music. Oh, shit. I don't have music. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bob, next week's movie. Oh, next week's movie is going to be the never-ending story. Turn around. How long is it? Seriously. uh, How long is the movie? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That'll, that'll be a question we'll have to uh, resolve in the, uh, the show It next ends, week. though, right? If you keep rewinding, it has a middle, it has an end. <laughs> you know, I've actually read the book, and when I first took Me it out too. of the library, I, I flipped to the end I and saw that there was an ending, and I was disappointed. 
Oh, I just got your I just got your joke, Kaz. I just realized what you were doing. <laughs> For a second there, I was like, "Wait, how long is the?" M- oh, yeah. <laughs> see, that, it's that never joke, ending. That I joke was so you bad, but remember, it has to hurt if it's to heal. <laughs> well, it definitely will not be uh, Ocean's Eleven length. No, oh, no, no, no. Because that was thirty-four years. Because this, yeah, a never-ending story. Things happen. Oh, excuse me. Things happen in this yeah. movie. <laughs> it's not just talking heads. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what, what about talking heads? I love that group. What about well, them? There are a few talking heads at the uh, scene at the beginning, but we'll get into that next week. All right, so, uh, and with that, I think, uh, Nick, I think it's time for your line. All right, guys. So we will see you soon. Catch you next week. Um, be good. Take care of yourself, but don't be too good. <laughs>